there, and welcome to episode 23 of the Footstray Film Circle podcast. My name is David, as always, and with me, as always, my good friend, Daniel. Evening, David. I look, I look forward to these ones. It's fun scrambling around and having a look and all those ones that we've put in the past. It's a, it's a good time having, having a bit of a read about the list that we've gone through. It's that most wonderful time of the year, my friend. It is our curation mm. episode. This is... An episode is kind of like a 0.5 episode, I guess. Like we kind of give it a number, mm. but it's not really an episode. It is our curation episode. This is the episode where Daniel and I pick the next 10 movies of the podcast. Daniel chooses his five. I choose my five. Daniel doesn't know what I've chosen. I don't know what he's chosen. So the disappointment that you can hear in our voices is very real. I'm, I'm only kidding. <laughs> Mate, I can't wait to hear <laughs> what you've chosen. <laughs> maybe, maybe, David, you really don't. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward. Did you have, did you have much trouble coming down to a final five? A, a little, I'll say. This is a very brief prelude. It is interesting. Um, every time I do these lists, I'm like, oh, great, there's another five. There's also as you go through and curate and have a look at the list of movies of years and try and cast your net a bit wider. There's also a lot of ones that I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> God no. <laughs> so, so it was it was uh, interesting to see all the ones that uh, you know. If we get to a tenth curation episode, we might have to bring in, but otherwise, they all stay firmly, firmly out of the firing line for the time being, unless you bring them in, of course. Well, well, you never know. I mean, like we have to get through all three of those Alvin Purple movies eventually, so you never know. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> a trilogy, a trilogy of terror. <laughs> so, I, I before we get into the next ten movies, I think it's only fair if we just do a little bit of a a recap of the last ten films we've spoken about. Mm. Mate, your favourite, your least favourite. What what worked for you? What didn't work for you out of those last ten films? Good question. Let's have a look. It's been a while since I've had to look at them, so uh, I think we had. Some what was our biggest one in there? Like, what's the, the, the so, so the, the big- biggest, like the most popular episode we've recorded in terms of downloads has been Crocodile Dundee two. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I think in terms of the movies that we saw that stayed with me more, it's probably my favorite. Always going to be Sweet Country, but the most surprising was Baby Teeth. Yeah, yeah. I kind of agree. Like, but Baby Teeth that much stayed with me. Baby Baby Teeth wasn't my favorite out of the ten, but Baby Teeth was the one mm. that. I, w- I honestly wasn't expecting to like that much. I was trying to. I had. I had the mm. gritted teeth. Like okay, Daniel's choice. And hand on heart, I, I fucking loved that movie. It was. It was a great choice. Mm. If you told me then that the Chance Girl movie was going to be one of my favourites, I would have laughed in your face. But here mm. we are, David. And uh, as a recap for going forward, uh, my God, there's a lot of cancer movies i mean it is a it's it is something that affects all of us uh obviously uh, every family goes through it every person goes through it it, it is but, a genre oh, really, to I itself looking, i was looking through these strange movies and i was like holy cow <laughs> it's like cancer and heroin uh, well, well, are, are the two big ones i i think heroin's probably the biggest one heroin heroin has been a thing since i mean the 70s with pure shit i guess mm. you know yeah. there's always been that that cursory heroin movie dropping in each decade so yeah, I, so, I, I well, which as a recap, which one, which one got you? Which one disappointed you? Or which one were you like, Oof, don't want to watch that one again? Look, my di- biggest, I wouldn't say disappointment. Just the just the film, I I just flat out didn't work for me. Was thank God he met Lizzie, which is no big surprise. Yeah, abso- I mean, me, me too, absolutely. Not really much of a shock. Just a fairly formulaic, a little bit laboured 
movie, I thought. Hmm. Look, did did a few things right. Like, no, no, by no means a terrible film, but did did not work for me. No. I would say, though, my favourite, with a, yeah, obviously a nod to baby teeth, The Tarsa Day Paris, uh, just just a, mm. a, a true original. Just a movie that I, I still find myself thinking about every now and then. I actually had a bit of a thought that it struck me that The Tarsa Day Paris, it's almost like the template of a Wes Anderson film. It's just damaged people in heightened realities. But it, it almost set the template for that kind of, you know, subgenre of film. Just hit me in all the right ways, that one. And a proper... Don't even know if this is a good way to say it or if it's a valuable thing, but it felt like a proper original. And it is like it's old now. It's from the mid seventies and it definitely has, I feel like an alternative eighties sensibility about it that it does. Yeah. Yeah. Not quite Lynchian, but was it like it's got that offbeat, but straightforwardly funny thing that like Repo Man has, like in a completely different way, but it works in that same area of sort of alternative but Jim almost Jarmusch almost but that but but a vibe that was much more captured in the 80s yeah that's and and something that's when you see it done you just think well that's easy to do but I don't think people can appreciate mm. how hard it is to pull off that kind of stewed kind of tone but still maintaining some element of emotional through point yeah. it's just yeah it's so hard to do but yeah again Peter Weir can do that because he's Peter Weir so yeah, you know we, exactly. sh- we shouldn't be surprised but overall, having looked back at those 10 movies, they are a, a very, whether we meant to or not, it's quite a spread of the, for want of a better word, Australian, Australian experience. I, I, I'm, I'm, movies. I'm pretty happy with, with those 10, like for, for the mm. most part, like even the ones that didn't really work for me, I still enjoyed. Like there wasn't a film that maybe, thank God he met Lizzie, but the, the nine others, yeah. I pretty much yeah. enjoyed them all. Like I, to varying degrees, I might not have put them in the pool room, but I certainly don't regret watching yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's a good way to put it. He even lets get staced. My one, my one for that disappointment is like, yes, thank God he met Lizzie. But I enjoyed parts of Newsfront, but that one, that one was probably the one that I uh, enjoyed the least, given its reputation. Oh, yeah, that's right. fair enough, fair enough. You know what? Let's just dive right into these films, shall we? So. The last episode we had was Quigley Down Under. That was my choice. So, mate, the floor is yours. What is the first film you have for us tonight? <laughs> okay, I'm going straight for a known flop, probably the second movie of this person, that the only second movie that anyone will ever know. So, 1993's Reckless Kelly, Whoa. which I think <laughs> I have seen once. Now, the reason I want to choose Reckless Kelly rather than Young Einstein is that Young Einstein is a straight up enjoyable movie that I'd love to do one day and talk about an original one-off something that could not be replicated and then wasn't. We'll talk to that movie. But I think I saw Reckless Kelly when it came out in the movies. I saw it once and I have not seen hide nor hair of it since. That's the other thing that is interesting about Reckless Kelly is it has no footprint, like zero. You you just don't see it anywhere. It's never – it's mentioned, but it's not – there's no scenes from it that people remember or barely. So – that's that's sort of why I wanted to do it, is just just to have that reclamation of of, of as a cultural artifact more than a more than a movie and then and then watch the movie as well. I also just want to see any movie where the second person credited is Melora Harden and the third one is Alexi Sale. Like that's a movie. <laughs> is Hugo Weaving in that as well? He is in that movie as well. Yeah. So, so I've never seen it. So I, I'm actually uh, kind of happy that you have chosen it because I felt that the podcast was due some Yahoo series. I think it was. 
it was time to get serious. Yeah. I'm kind of glad you went with that because, yeah, I, I, I toyed with the idea of Young Einstein as well. But Reckless Telly, yeah, 30 years after the fact, it'd be interesting to just get, get your finger on the pulse to sort of see what we were thinking in 1993. Yeah. That's why. And, and, and it, it's because the if you think even for a second or let, let's say 30 seconds about Young Einstein, it's incredible that that became what it became. It was the 80s. Um, and it's, it's the 80s, but also there there is an infectious energy about that movie and a it's got a vibe that you just it's really enjoyable like it i i haven't shown it to my kids yet but i think i will because it's, it's not boring it's got a great it's soundtrack completely pg it's got a great sound i mean you, could, you couldn't turn around in the mid 80s in a hollywood australian movie without hitting martin plaza and Red <laughs> and mental as anything were absolutely flying at that stage i saw a picture of yahoo serious was just something that came mm. across my facebook feed a recent picture of Yahoo Sirius uh, with oh. his dog at one of the northern beaches of Sydney. And it oh. seems that though poor old Yahoo's fallen on hard times. Like it was saying that he uh, mm. apparently owed a lot of money, back rent for his property, yeah. uh, you know, like had, was having a few problems getting projects off the ground, which I got to say I really took no pleasure from. That's, that's sad. I would like- Look, I'm going to hold. I've not seen Reckless Telly. I'm going to hold judgment on yeah. that. But I mean, he's a, he's an original voice. Like, I mean, the the man should still be producing whatever it is he wants to produce. Like, I mean, surely there is still an audience for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, so we'll find out. So that that's that's my first one, which is a bit unusual for me. I felt it was a bit bit different, but I couldn't get it out of my head once I decided that uh, you know a Yahoo series movie was was for us. All right, so, uh, I'm 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 down with it. Reckless Telly. So yeah, what's what's on your list? So, my first one, we're uh, going to jump from 1993 all the way back to 1992. I'm also choosing a movie that left a big imprint on Australian film when it was released. Hmm. Calling Card for arguably our most commercially successful auteur, that's Baz Luhrmann. So, I would like to do an episode on Strictly Ballroom. Oh, lovely. That's good. It's a movie I only watched once upon release, and I saw it on video. I didn't see Hmm. it in the cinema. And that's to my detriment because it's a big screen movie. And 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 I'll be honest, I'm pretty hot and cold on Baz. He's a director yeah. I respect, but I'll freely admit that his style doesn't really do it for me. So I was I was along for the ride with Baz for Strictly Ball or even for Romeo and Juliet. You know, like they were fast, they were colourful, they were energetic. And then came Moulin Rouge and everything I thought I liked about Baz Luhrmann when it's cranked up to 11, I kind of realise that I don't actually like that. So, But, but every, everything that you did like about him, he started leaving out of all his it's, Well, Well, after Moulin Rouge, it was I, – I, I really struggled with that. I didn't even make it to the end. So after that, Baz and I were – we've been on a long hiatus. Now, I hear Elvis is okay and I might actually get around to watching Elvis. I've not seen Australia. I've not seen – Gatsby. So I'm I'm going to try and rekindle some kind of love, some kind of affection for Baz. And yeah, let's do it. Strictly ballroom. Let's I I, I think that, I'm gonna throw 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 the strictly ballroom hat into the ring. Well I'm glad that we're doing um much like you. I'm uh, strictly ballroom is by a fair distance the movie of his that I've enjoyed the most. So I'm very down to revisit that for the first time in a long time. Unlike you, I have seen those other Baz movies between I've seen Australia and and The Great Gatsby. And like you, the style doesn't 
he's definitely a, and I'm sure we'll get to it, but I'm glad that exists and I'm glad someone gets lots and lots and lots of money to make those movies. But I find them even, you know, it's, it's an interesting pathway. Even when you know what you're supposed to feel or what is pushing against you. Right. You, you just can't enjoy it through that long. Like I can't pretend that like Australia <laughs> was, Australia was a real struggle for me. Dad, I, I'll tell you that movie is. Tough. I'll, 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 I'll be honest. I, I did. I did toy with the idea for about ten minutes. I'm thinking, should I do Australia? Not having seen it, and uh, look, the, the conclusion I came to was simply fuck that. <laughs> so I don't think we'll ever watch doing it. Much like a uh, person on a reality show, we'd be doing it for the. We'd be here for the wrong reasons. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. As much as I always try and watch things as, you know, objectively, I, I, I feel like my mind's already made up on Australia without having seen it. So, yeah, no. <laughs> Shoo that off. Strictly ballroom. That's it. Locked in. Lovely. Mate, what's your next choice? So, I'm going much more recent, going with a 2020 movie uh, called My First Summer. Oh, okay. Which is- yeah, it's it's from director Kate Found, and she wrote it as well. And and part of the reason why is it has almost no familiar faces or familiar people behind the camera either. Kate Found's uh, she's done a couple of shorts, but this oh. is a feature no, debut, I believe. Nothing familiar um, at all because I've not heard of this film. So please don't. Yeah, on. and I <laughs> I had only I'd only barely heard about it. So it's about a a young woman or sort of teenager. Who, um, whose mother passes away when she lives on a remote property and a local teenager shows up in her garden and, and, and the two of them find is there, is there a summer, a summer romance or? Yeah, which I, th- I think there is. So it's a, it turns up, it's interestingly, like once I started looking at it separately to the reason I chose it, but it shows up on a lot of sort of, you know, queer film lists and, 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 and of the sort of the last, of the last 10 years. So. Okay. Uh, really looking forward to it, but it has a, a fairly sterling reputation from the few people that have seen it or, you know, relatively few people that have seen it. So much like, uh, baby teeth, I just have to take this one on, on sort of trust and, and hope that it, um, mate, lives mate, up to what look- people say about it. Again, hadn't heard of Baby Teeth. You won me over with that. So, you've got yourself mm. a free pass. Lock it in. All right, mate. I'm excited. My first summer. Yeah. Yeah. Something, something different and hopefully- Hopefully uh, it's good. <laughs> hopefully it's good. I, I think there's a there's a, a run of these movies. One one that it reminded me of just in things is like, uh, I can't remember the name of the movie, but there's a movie that Paddy Considine's in, Paddy Considine is in where two young women- sort of fall in love and he's the older brother that's a little bit scary, which is every Paddy Considine. That's, I was going to say, yeah, that, that, that narrows it down. But, but it's sort of a fertile idea for those movies that, that summer, you know, it's it's a fairly cliché thing, but uh, I feel they do something with it. So what's um, what's your what's your second one up? All right. So, mate, you know I like horror films mm-hmm. and I know that you're not a fan of horror films and uh, I'm going to I'm, I'm gonna – just try and find a bit of a gateway horror film to talk about because mm-hmm. I know that Cars at 8 Paris was kind of a, a horror film and uh, I know that Road was kind of a horror film, but let's do a, a proper capital H horror film. Yep. We're going to go all the way back to July 2023. Remember those heady days, like the Barbenheimer craze sweeping the, the, the world and Matilda's <laughs> fever? This is just like a lifetime ago. Talk to me. We're going to do Talk oh, to Me. Excellent. So this one's this one's about a group of Adelaide teenagers who somehow acquire I think it's a possessed hand that mm. if you mess with it can somehow create a bridge between the world of the living and the world of the dead. So 
I mean, that's my description based on trailers and whatnot. It does make yep. it sound like a Simpsons Treehouse of Terror episode. <laughs> so maybe, I don't know, maybe the movie ends with one of the kids wishing for a turkey sandwich. Um, it winds up too dry. I don't know. But this, <laughs> this movie has low-key made a considerable impact around the world this year. So it is for mm. $70 million worldwide. Which oh. I've had a little look. That is the biggest Australian box office since Lion in 2016. You know, Lion made 140 oh, wow. million dollars. Like that just so, blew my mind. David, yeah. Estimate to me. I saw Lion. Yeah. It's a. It's a good movie. It's a. It's a like a. It's Ang Lee, right? Like it's a. No, it's not Ang Lee. Oh. No, no, it's not Ang Lee. Not Ang Lee. No. I'm thinking of the Tiger movie. Sorry, Life of, Life Pi, of Pi. Uh, the Pie. But in the question, here's a, here's a quiz for you. Okay, go for it. Of that, was it was it $130 million, you said? $140 million? Lion made $140 million. Yeah. Yeah. What percentage of that box office was provided by people over the age of 50? Ooh, good. I, um, unfortunately, I just have the number in front of me, Daniel. I don't have the pie chart of uh, how many, you know- like Demographic gray, breakdown. Grey-haired gray, gray people went to the local palace uh, on a Sunday afternoon yeah, to watch I, it. And- I, I, I don't want to- Paint with a broad brush. All I'm saying is, is that no, no, no. There was a lot of senior. There was a lot of senior discounts. That's even more impressive because you know, if at full price, that's like a two hundred million dollar movie. Because did Lion did Lion come out the same year as the Dressmaker? <laughs> the blockbusters are blockbusters. <laughs> I, I, I will say, Dressmaker is not on my list, but it will be at some point. There is something about that movie that clicked with people in a way that the oh, mainstream mate. didn't really pick up on like it was not just like oh the old people are going to see it it was a lot of people's favorite movies and it has remained so for for, for the years Mate. since it came out gray-haired people of australia unite what did i say mm. but anyway yeah no talk to me Re- oh, no, I'm, I'm just really interested to talk about this it's the biggest a24 horror release ever so it was picked up by a24 wow. which is the boutique mm. i wouldn't oh i i, I wouldn't say they don't deal just with horror, but they do deal a lot with boutique horror films. Made a larger worldwide box office gross than the likes of Hereditary. So there's a lot of people who seem to enjoy it. And for a small horror film, I mean, set in Adelaide of all places, starring relative yeah. unknowns, the fact that A24 saw this, saw something in these filmmakers. Uh, these filmmakers, two brothers who came up through YouTube, had a YouTube channel. And oh, yeah, I've seen a lot of theirs, the Philippi brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, their channel, Raka Raka, I watched a couple of their videos. Like, I watched, I think their most viewed videos are Star Wars Harry Potter mashup. Yeah, and look, fair play to them. Like, it's not the most inspired or original idea, that particular short movie, but there is a genuine energy that they managed to yeah. create. It's it's bizarrely like directed really well. Like yeah, no, it's not bizarre, but it's but that's what you notice about it is like wow, this is enjoyable to watch. But there's like, also like that say, there's also that well. laid back, understated, just that mm. Australian kind of humor, that dry kind of humor. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, these guys clearly have some talent. I love horror films, mate. Let's chuck that in. So that's that's my next selection. Nice. Talk to me. So what's what's the next no, one for you? Fine. Um. I've got a lot of smaller smaller movies this time. So my next one is My Year Without Sex, which came out in 2009. Like it's, so it was written by Sarah Watt and directed by Sarah Watt, whose first movie was Look Both Ways, which made quite an impact at the time. The William McInnes and Justine Clark 
movie, which I remember okay. it did break through a little bit and made a bit of a bit of noise. Part of this is that her movie, that movie was very interesting, if a little, a little ABC, right, right, and not that it looked like the ABC, but it had that vague feel about it. Wait, was that is that is that like is that a budget limitation thing or? Uh, I think it's more of a it's more of a casting and a and a. It's it's a, a vibe. it's just a vibe. It's a vibe. And, and, and a, it's a vibe. And a, and a storyline right. thing, but for formally quite exciting. It had some different textures. It had some animated. Like it was a really interesting movie. So, but I wanted to go with her her follow up because it has um, one of my favorite Australian actresses who's never gotten the well. She's got a lot of work, but never the work, which is Sasha Haller, who started out her her, her earliest. <sighs> Was uh, praise, which is a great sort of. It's, I've movie. seen that's a great film. I actually saw her recently watching Colin from Accounts. She's in an episode of that. Mm. Yeah, she's in quite a lot of TV, um, and and it was and was absolutely great. It was absolutely great in her role in that too. She really uh, has that great. I, f- I find her quite funny, but in a in a really good actress way. Like she she's a great actor, but she has a real deft way of making you smile. So I thought. That that would be a, a good one. It was from the t- sort of a time frame that I was interested in looking at too in the late 2000s. And it's set just down the road from me in Altona in suburban Melbourne from near, near where I live. So I, I thought it had a fairly okay reputation, but something that's been a little bit forgotten, I thought maybe I could uh, could bring back. Mate, I'm keen. All right, throw that on my mm. year without sex. So we're up to number three. You're number three now? Yes, my number three. Okay, yeah. so... So, so you've been throwing out like all these high-minded indies and what have you. Well, a couple of high-minded <laughs> indies. We'll, we'll just ignore Reckless Kelly. Yeah. So I thought I might class the joint up a bit with. Mm-hmm. Oh, look! I'm just going to say it. We're going to do Windrider. Oh, oh interesting. <laughs> interesting. I've got, I have. I've seen this movie. I've seen this movie more than you would think, due to. Uh, so have I. Some bus. So her- some bus companies only having this apparently is their only VHS. So I look forward to revisiting it after you, all these years. Did you watch this on a long distance bus trip, like McCafferty's or something? Oh, more than one, like several. You know, like it's like they only had this. This is this is kind of funny because you say that I I, I did not see this movie on a McCafferty's bus, but this is the kind of movie I would imagine. I could just imagine oh. it is the perfect environment to watch Windrider on a Metaphody's bus. Exactly. Just just dri- exactly, late night yes. driving through Kempsey or, you know, what have you. Windrider. Exactly. Yes, you've got it right, <laughs> So oh, I, I actually – I accidentally recorded this movie off the TV. I, I must have just been in high school. And somehow Windrider – this is like an Australian movie that has somehow seeded into my psyche despite – like, I've not seen it in about 35 years. But every now and then, I, I kid you not, Daniel, every now and then I just have flashes of Windrider just pop into my head at random intervals. I'll be I'll be in a meeting at work and I'll just have Tom Burlington <laughs> with, like, you know, bleached blonde hair just, like, doing a 360. Just just pop into my head for, for, for no reason whatsoever. So, I don't think this is necessarily a good movie. In fact, I'm preparing it to be pretty bad. But- I'm just interested in watching it again and maybe maybe just exercising some of my Windrider demons. So, things I can categorically tell you about this movie. Tom Berlinson's character drives a dune buggy. <laughs> I can't recall the level of gratuity, but there is definitely some Nicole Kidman side boob. And uh. the windsurfers, like, when they're doing tricks in the water- there are accompanying sound effects that are exactly the same as those attached to the bike stunts in BMX Bandits. So, ah, 
Right. So surely, surely I've sold it to you by now. Yeah, who borrowed off who there? You think Trenchard Smith was like, hey, it's all right, mate, I got, I got it here. Well, Tre- Tre- I got, Trenchard I got it Smith did it first. Maybe Nicole Maybe Nicole took some of the inside secrets along to the Windrider production and said, you know, <laughs> you know. She's watching like the, the, the rough cut and it's like, I don't know about these, these uh, Windriding scenes. Look, you know what? Let me just phone up Brian. We've got these amazing sound effects. They don't actually, they don't necessarily naturally match what is happening on, on screen, but we can make Not it work. Close. We can make it work. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I, I've got nothing else to say. Like Windrider, we, we, we're talking about Windrider. Beautiful. If you had to ask me what sort of movie we'd be looking at at some point, that would absolutely be in like the top five that we'd end up having to talk about because it's just <laughs> we, such an Australian. We just um, we danced around it for too long. So sorry, mate. Go ahead. What's your yeah. next pick? Um, my next one is a 1990 movie that is right up my alley, and I thought I'll go Route One, which is. Death in Brunswick. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, great John film. John Clark movie. So, yeah, it has Sam Neill, Zoe Caridi, John Clark, and one of our favourites, Deborah Kennedy, um, in an early role as well. And I remember this as, I mean, we'll probably speak to there, this was one of the first times I remember seeing a movie, and I think I might have even seen this at the movies. I would have been 14. I would have seen this maybe in the Dendy in Sydney or something like that. One of the first times where I was sort of attracted to the culture of the movie even though it wasn't you know top gun or it wasn't big you know there was no americanness about it it's a very australian movie oblique with two kiwis in the lead (laughs) but but there was something attractive about the milieu with with where they were like how they lived their lives even though it's sort of a grimy um it's it's a brunswick it's a brunswick that does not exist anymore exactly yeah so but i mainly just wanted to watch it because it's probably john definitely John Clark's biggest role and his sort of like standing in my head is probably one of the greatest, you know, a, a New Zealander, but made so much of an imprint on me. I uh, am one of, one of Australia's sort of great cultural sort of icons. So, so, so does, it, does this mean we're that. doing another Sam Neill movie? Do I have to go out and buy another bloody bottle of two paddocks <laughs> to drink for this episode? Yeah. But if seeing it's been in Brunswick, you have to go and it has to be organic and you have to pay twice as much for Oh, twice as much for it, <laughs> man! Just just make it make it easy, Daniel. Why don't you? Um, yeah, we can do yeah, that. Yeah. That's that's fine. So, sorry, is it? Can can I jump in with my with my next one now? Or of course, no, no, go the, to the next and, one. So, look, Death in Brunswick. Like I said, it's pretty Route One for me. It's like I've wanted to revisit it for a long time. It's right up my alley. So I yeah, can't wait to see it again. I'm I'm pretty keen. Sorry, I I, I just wanted to jump mm. in because I'm a little bit excited. I can actually segue from your choice, Death in Brunswick. Ah. Because my number four pick, this is a movie that I didn't know existed before last week. This is oh. the 1982 comedy romance film, Lonely Hearts. Mm. As I mentioned on the Thank God He Met Lizzie episode, I unloaded a bit on romantic comedies as a genre. Basically because romantic comedies generally are, you know, Matthew McConaughey getting caught up in shenanigans before winning the heart of Sarah Jessica Parker or Jennifer Garner or whatever. This movie actually looks like a gentle movie with romance, with comedy. It's directed by Paul Cox. So one I was of about our to say, it's a Paul Cox movie. I yeah, looked it up while you were talking. So one of our most highly regarded auteurs, and it's written by Paul Cox. And do you want to say who it is? Who's the co-writer? Yeah, it's John John Clark. John Clark. Wow. So an executive produced by a longtime broadcaster, author sole lefty that's managed to remain on the payroll at the Australian Philip Adams. 
starring Norman Kay and Wendy Hughes. So thank God we get more wind. We needed more Wendy Hughes. We needed more Wendy Hughes. So this film, I wasn't familiar with it at all. And the look, the plot description, at least on paper, does sound a little possibly problematic for 2023. A little bit, a little male fantasy, I guess, where lonely man in his fifties starts dating a shy, withdrawn younger woman. I would imagine that we need to jump that rather massive hurdle of accepting a young Wendy Hughes's. You know, someone who's mousy and unattractive to other men. But but Paul Cox, he's a director whose reputation is pretty unassailable for creating humanist pieces of work. So for for I all don't, and I don't I don't think unknown to having an older male protagonist with a younger woman either, just quietly over his subsequent <laughs> movies. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's it actually won the uh, AFI award for best picture in 1982. It's a movie that did make a bit of a uh, a bit of a dent in its day, and yeah, I've kind of wanted to watch and talk about a Paul Cox movie. I wasn't too sure yeah. which one, and I wouldn't. I wasn't too sure which one would make for a good episode. So I'm throwing all my chips on the table for this one. Mm. So I understand it's amongst his more accessible work. So look, fingers crossed that this is something of a, a forgotten gem. So I, I've really got my hopes out that this is going to be something special. And one of the other things very quickly that won me over with this film, the trailer for this film has many shots of my local neighborhood. So oh. like, despite the promise of the podcast title, I'm not actually a footstray man. I'm south of the era. <laughs> and... It was just kind of a blast just watching this trailer and just seeing some of the local sites from 40 years ago. It's like, oh, wow. So, yeah, so that, that that's my number four choice, 1982's Lonely Hearts. So that means with Death in Brunswick and Lonely Hearts, we can be like those New York podcasts that complain about, like, an LA podcast. We're like, oh, they couldn't get from there to there in that time. It's like, oh, don't, great. So don't, don't, could, don't you worry. Don't you worry. I, I'm, I'm already starting. I'll, 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 I'll be checking a sequence of shots to make sure that, uh, yeah, any, any crisscrossing the suburbs in any kind of unbelievable way, we'll be calling that shit out straight away. Yeah. Rest assured. Rest assured. Um, you're, you're also uh, burying the lead. When you say an older person, how they describe him in the IMDb is, a flamboyant middle-aged piano tuner. Well, <laughs> that character. Duh. So, so sold. <laughs> <laughs> can, can you make a um, living as a? You know what? We'll uh, save. We'll save it for the episode. I was just wondering, can you make uh, a living yeah. as a piano tuner? But it's, he's flamboyant. He's flamboyant. Um, Flamboyance is enough. So I I realise now as I as I've gotten to to the end of my thing. I have a very strange bunch here and it's only going to get stranger. I, I think I thought we should go down the path of sort of a micro budgeted movie. Okay. And I, I scattered around. <laughs> could, and, could, and I found- Death in Brunswick was, uh, you know, had like an MCU level budget, I'm sure. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> the caterer could have paid for my house alone. Uh, that's, what a ridiculous thing to say. I think the movie before that, that I said to was made for like $70,000. But uh, I'm sure we'll get back to the big. I mean, I did have Crocodile Dundee two last time, so I'll, I'll, I'm trying to trying to change course a little bit here. It's called a 2007 comedy called All My Friends Are Leaving Brisbane. Oh right, I, I do know this movie actually. Oh, you do know this movie? I, I've never seen it. I had vaguely heard of it, sort of. So when I went past it, I was like, one, it sort of seems to have an okay reputation for such a small movie and went to a couple of festivals, but also is a very Brisbane thing. And both of you and I have experienced Brisbane sort of in our 
I you know, grew, grew, grew up, I grew up, yeah, yeah. Grew up there, and I, I went. I went to uni and, and worked there as a younger man, and it's inspired by a typical Brisbane lament: the departure of people in their late twenties to Sydney, Melbourne, London, or New York. Now, I did that in my early twenties, but the thing that sold me on it was, yeah, it had a budget of forty-two thousand dollars, shot during summer. And most importantly, uh, the soundtrack includes a cover version of Streets of Your Town by Dave McCormack. And I was like, oh, you can't sold, get any more sold. perfectly in our, in our wheelhouse so, so as Footscray Film Circle Podcast. The writer of All My Friends Are Leaving Brisbane is a mm. chap called Stephen Vag. Now, yes. the irony of growing up in Brisbane is that it's very much a... It's sort of six degrees of Kevin Bacon kind of situation. It's like a one or two degrees of Kevin Bacon. Like, you know someone who knows someone who yeah. basically, you know everyone in Brisbane within those one or two yeah. degrees. Within, now, I don't, I don't know anyone, David. Like, I'm not an especially person. I could get to the drummer of Powderfinger in two moves. Because somehow you just can in Brisbane. Right? Oh, I've, exactly, I've, I've exactly drunk in a bar and seen, seen, you know, seen them there and like, you know, what have you. Yeah, yeah. But this chap, Stephen Vag, who I've met once and was a – very nice guy. Oh, okay. He actually took over my job when I left Brisbane to go to London. Well, to go to Edinburgh specifically, but- In the video store? No, no, no. I was working- I was actually working for the Director of Public Prosecutions oh. in Brisbane, and he took over my job. He was, he was working. I think he was working towards a writing career at the time, but yeah, he ended up- I, hmm. I ironically went to the UK, and then- he took over. So, David, did, did I literally pick a movie written written about you? I wonder. I wonder. He does. I think he does write for. I didn't know. He that. writes for cinema. He does write for for a website, an Australian cinema website. Maybe I should just directly. Maybe I should just like reach out to him and say, "Hey, man, do you remember me?" Yeah. And he's like, "Who the fuck are you?" Which is yeah, yeah. likely. That's my Stephen Vag story. So there you oh, go. That is so. so I, I think I've just—you've actually just proved your six degrees story by having that exact conversation on this podcast about <laughs> this movie. Um, so yeah, I, I will say for those that do, I, there are literally dozens of you that listen to this. When we get to this stage, that will be a very heavy, oh, do you remember, oh, did you ever go to the RE or why did people go there? I used to go to this, yeah, so expect a lot of uh, late 90s Brisbane chat in, in, in that episode. Is that, your, is that your number five choice? That's my number five. What's, uh, what's, your, what's your last one? Please let it be like Thor 3 or something. <laughs> no, no, unfortunately. I am still <laughs> remaining with the uh, low-budget indie route. Yeah. But this is my absolute wildcard entry. Mm. So I've watched the trailer for this film and I've examined over the poster to like an almost CSI Miami level of scrutiny. <laughs> and I'm still not sure if this movie is a comedy or a thriller. Like, I've actually seen it described as an urban western. So, the movie I'm talking about is 2012's The King is Dead. So, we're doing another Roth to Hear movie. And ah, this okay. one, I think it's fair to say it's possibly one of his less celebrated movies. But I honestly think this movie looks intriguing. So, it's about a young couple who buy a house in suburban Adelaide. Wow. So, this is like our second Things Aren't Right in the Suburbs of Adelaide movie that I've, mm. I've chosen. And wind up having like an ever escalating dispute with the neighbors who just happen to be drug dealers. So, I mean, this is one of those premises that could go either way. Like it's been done as a straightforward thriller. I think that movie with Sam Jackson, Lakeview Terrace, that Neil oh, yeah. movie that comes to mind. 
it's been done as a straight comedy with those Seth Rogen Neighbours movies. But I think, like, Rolf to here, whichever way you take it, it will be a a totally fresh take on it. And for the cherry on top with this one, a leading man performance from your boy, Daniel (laughs) Wiley, Mr. Shannon Murphy. I knew you were going to say that. Well, now I know why we're doing this, because it's the legislation has kicked in and all all Australian movie podcasts must include Dan Wiley within the first 35 episodes. It's time time to pay up. Time to pay the piper, yo. We're sorry, sorry, Dan. I promise you, we're we're getting there. We're getting there. (laughs) Um, I I know. I just think this movie, it, it looks quite interesting. I'm absolutely keen to give it a go. And I I know that you didn't mm. love Alexandra's project, which is totally fine, but I just find Rolf to here just a really infinitely interesting filmmaker. He's just uh, never never bored. Like you're never bored. Not at all. So, mate, that makes our ten. I'm just gonna go through them. Mm. All right. Our official list, our next ten movies. We have Reckless Kelly, Strictly Ballroom, My First Summer. Talk to me. My year without sex. Can we get a wind rider? Man, it's, it's, I'm just charting a course of quality here. <laughs> Death in Brunswick. Lonely Hearts. All my friends are leaving Brisbane and the king is dead. That's, that is a, that is a fascinating list. I'm, I just want to get into those yeah. right now. It's a little bit different to our last list. Less sort of like probably the last two lists. Less big names. Less uh, maybe older movies or a couple older movies. But yeah, and, and a very bunch that I wouldn't have expected from either of us, frankly. No, so that's well, great. well, like when we recorded the Quiddly episode, I said that I'm going to go with genre films. And then between mm. then... And now I've literally, I think Talk to Me is the only one that's that stayed on the list. All the other ones I had, they're going to the next ten. So there's the a bunch, 10. bunch of genre films. I'm like, oh, I just couldn't. I don't know. Just things were just bunching up. They were a little bit too samey. So mm. I thought, no, nah, no, nah, go far and wide. And I, and looking at that list, I'm I'm excited. I think that's there's some fascinating films we're going to be talking about. There's some. I think there's some wild swings, like in terms of like there might be some ones that we've never seen that are great. We might be some ones that we're disappointed in, but it won't. It shouldn't be boring because some of them, a lot of them, I'd say half, greater than half, I haven't seen. So that's always a, a good pleasure to have. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And mate, with that, let's wrap it up. Make it nice and mm. neat. I'm looking forward to it. Okay, so we're going to be yeah. back with episode 24 with Reckless Kelly for our next Reckless episode. Kelly. Hopefully out before Christmas. Yeah, excellent. I'm really looking forward to it. What a a strange bunch. (laughs) What a strange bunch indeed. All right, mate. Daniel, as always, thanks for talking movies with me. Thanks, David. Enjoy the evening. You too, mate. And uh, we'll be back with Reckless Kelly. See ya. (laughs) 